0: Cord, but I am I can cut out this mm-hmm. little beginning. Leave part. everything in you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you so much. I love you too. I'm so grateful for this.
1: Me too. Me well, too. welcome
0: everyone who's <laughs> listening for the first time, just in case we keep video on. Yeah, I absolutely. Know. So here we are, two dope white chicks, <laughs> one in her early 30s and... One who's lived that lifetime twice over.
1: Oh, I hadn't like... thought of that.
0: That's right. <laughs> oh, I think about it. That's why <laughs> I'm here talking to
1: you. <laughs> because
0: I need to listen. So
1: I'm Mandy Oliveham. And, and then... I am Michelle hemingway Pullen. And what's funny is I still feel your age inside. Oh. Yeah, I still feel like I'm figuring out what I want to do. <laughs>
0: So
1: there you go. <laughs> I sort of hope I feel that way at sixty-two. Uh, no, <laughs> no doubt, you, will. you oh, will.
0: Yeah. So one of the reasons um, <laughs> we're here, here talking and capturing this on video, yeah, is because um, I am a parent of young children, ages four, two, and almost eight months, which is hard to believe. Wow. And Michelle is a dear friend of mine and teacher. My teacher.
1: You are mine
0: too. (laughs) (laughs) In a formal way, Michelle has been my teacher and um, has a background in early childhood education and -hmm. psychology, is currently a professor at JCTC. Is that the acronym now? And I've been really turning over some deep and pressing questions for myself, and I hear so many parents. Struggling yeah. with similar questions, sure. absolutely and the questions tend to center around really how do we how do we live and parent in these times yeah. Certainly, their injustice is not a new reality, mm. and parents have had to wrestle with how to parent um, in a way that honors the growth of their children and that grapples with kind of broader realities mm-hmm. and so as i've been turning these over um michelle has been a constant presence of insight mm. and guidance but not so much and i'll let her speak for herself in a minute mm. not so much as a an instructor like here's the manual <laughs> just check if the boxes. only there was one. <laughs> exactly oh how uh, different this would be <laughs> yeah sure uh, but more of more as a voice of wisdom and i say mm. wisdom because it's um, the questions just keep surfacing
1: yeah
0: I feel invited to ask deeper and broader questions Mm -hmm. as we talk but that's not to say I don't have responses I feel Mm -hmm. like these encourage me truly give me courage to to love my kids (laughs) better you know more Mm -hmm. attentively and to honor their growth so last time we briefly connected about this possibility. Yes. (laughs) I'm like, let's do this. And that's why we're joking about the two dope white moms because (laughs) because we were like, what are we even going to call this? Really, (laughs) One of the beautiful suggestions Michelle had was everybody knows everything. Not so much as a, well, then there we go. Tie it up. We don't have to ask any questions, but in this way that invites us to ask what am I? What can I pay attention to? What can I listen to in my child, in myself, yeah. in the world? And tune into what I can know about what I need to do, yeah. <laughs> who I'm meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she has graciously agreed to kind of get together and have some conversations that we record.
1: And I feel like you've graciously agreed <laughs> to have some, <laughs> put some time aside to record these conversations that we've really been having since we met. Yes. I don't know how old you were when we met, but it was young.
0: It was half a lifetime ago for me. Okay. I was
1: 16. Yeah. So I feel, you know, it's, Mm. it's so interesting to me to be at this juncture, which feels where we've been headed the whole time. (laughs)
0: It, 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 <laughs> it I don't does. know if
1: that so and I think the reason that I've landed here with you and I feel so grateful to be here with you is that um, one of the things that concerns me about the questions people have about their kids is that um, they don't seem to be getting any answers mm-hmm. you know there are there there is definitely not a how-to manual But we do have a book of um, great and in-depth understanding of what's happening for young children as they grow and develop over time. Yes. And so some of the things that feel mysterious to parents, we have answers for those things. And then those things can lead to the question of, well, so this is what's happening. What does it look like at home? And mm-hmm. by at home, I mean between me and my child. Yes. You know, so the book is only this is what's happening. You know, mm-hmm. the physical body is doing certain things that create other ha- things that happen in relationship. And all of that becomes, I think, um, so if I think about the time that I've been having conversations with parents, it's... Yeah. I was thinking about it the other day after we met to talk about doing this and it's been over uh, 25 years. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. And I realized my son was in high school when I started having in-depth conversation and you know they were called parenting classes. <laughs> and I called them parenting is sp- spiritual boot camp. <laughs> because oh gosh, yes. I was feeling that way as a parent of a teenager, right? Yes. So mm. it it seems to me that what's different now um, for this generation of parents of very young children is that your generation of parents of young children is um, asking questions about Development, but also about what it means for social justice. Yes. And you're looking forward towards the world that your children will evolve into. And you're asking, what will they need? Um, Which is a different question than I've been asked before. Mm Your generation of parents are the first ones to ever come to somebody like me who's perceived as having a level of expertise about certain things and ask me, but, 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 what about what the world's going to be like? You know, and you're the first generation, certainly, of white parents to say, how do I raise a child in a racist culture? In a culture of white supremacy, how do I raise that child to help dismantle that? Yes. And that has a lot of implications for what you do early, early in life. So you have it's two questions now. Uh, yeah. Yes. Is so that, that from my sense. point of view is why I feel honored to be here, mm-hmm. because. I want to be part of that conversation. I've been part of that conversation all my life. And now I finally have a generation of parents who want to intentionally say, let's dismantle this. Yes. So how do we raise our kids so that can happen?
0: Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much. Just listening to you explain what you hear, Mm -hmm. I'm asking and parents Mm -hmm. like me are asking feels Mm -hmm. so cathartic (laughs) just Mm -hmm. to hear it's understood what the longing is what the question is and one of the tensions that exists in me and I hear other parents grappling Mm -hmm. with that we sort of talked about Mm -hmm. last time was this idea of wanting to honor and preserve Mm -hmm. sort of the magic of childhood absolutely there's that absolutely and of course but yeah. also feeling that pull I don't want to raise at least for me ignorant white boys you know I don't mm-hmm. want it I mm-hmm. don't want to raise children who aren't aware of or actively examining their privilege mm-hmm. because I don't want to perpetuate mm-hmm. through my lineage mm-hmm. you know oppressive systems mm-hmm. so how you know from the so people are asking from the earliest ages, how do I stay attentive to that? Mm-hmm. And I feel a tension between those two questions. Not that they're mm-hmm. mutually exclusive, but how, mm-hmm. do I, how do I raise children without um, overburdening them? Mm-hmm. And how do I also stay intentional to check my own privilege mm-hmm. <laughs> with them? Sure. And also there's when the time is developmentally appropriate.
1: right? And a lot of people have very different answers as parents to when that time is, you know and so something that occurs to me as I'm listening to you is um, these there's some some words that people use about early childhood that are relevant to the world of social justice, uh-huh. which is interesting, isn't it? Yeah so those two words are asleep and awake <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Okay. (laughs) Also very relevant to childhood, Mm. which is something that I have actually written a lot about for myself um, over many, many years of thinking about it. And so here's how you could frame it, I think, that's the simplest way. Um, If you think of early childhood as an awakening, Mm. so it's a... It's an it's an ongoing thing. It's not, you know, some people make the joke, and it's actually a really good, accurate uh, description, that toddlers have two modes, on and off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, right,
1: exactly. And that's definitely absolutely true. <laughs> um, however, if you look at the totality of toddlerhood, which we would define technically as about the time you start to toddle. Mm -hmm. So once you're upright and you're able to walk on your own, think about that. That's an awakening, Mm -hmm. right? Because you go from this period of, you know, Joseph Chilton Pierce called it in arms, which I love. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. So you go from this period of in arms, which in different cultures lasts for different periods of time. In our culture, we're very quick. To end yes. that period whereas in other cultures they're more inclined to prolong it for as long as two years mm-hmm. so you know there you can read people like Margaret Mead to learn more about that part but bottom line is that that you go from toddling and then around the age of three or f- between three and four at some point you're looking for this very um, which a lot of people uh, call the premier of adolescence you know because you can feel this um, this longing to put your mark on something mm-hmm. yeah because you're now walking with confidence mm-hmm. you're not toddling really <laughs> yeah make sense oh god yeah right yeah. <laughs> I,
0: can't help, I can't help but apply this to my own humanized well, speech. Yeah, so this yeah, is so that,
1: helpful. Absolutely. I, I, apply it all. Yes, it applies. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty of this part. This is the part that we do have the book on, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So we can say, you know, now mm-hmm. I'm walking with confidence. And so I'm here, right? It, it, and though it's a challenging thing, it's still a further awakening. Right? So it's this gradual, you know, life keeps tapping you on the shoulder in early childhood and say, Okay, it's time to wake up a little more. Mm. Right? So if you think of social justice as an overlay on that. Yes. You know, what what do you really need to have in a young child in order for them to pursue this dismantling when they're when they've been walking on the earth for a long time, Mm. right? Walking through school, walking through all the processes that Mm. help them feel either part of or not part of their community. So if you rewind, I feel part of my community, I don't feel part of it, you really can bring it all the way back to early childhood. And in early childhood settings, like preschools, there's even a unit and a theme that's universal. It's called community helpers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> right? Oh wow. So yeah. yeah, think about it. I mean, so one of the things that I want to work more intentionally about myself with preschool teachers is how are you doing community helpers in your classroom? Mm-hmm. What are you doing with that? So yes. because along the way, there's more of an awakening about my community. My mm-hmm. world keeps getting bigger. And bigger and bigger, and so for kids right now, their world gets bigger faster, yes, because they yes. go to more yes. things. you know, used to be you would st- like my son, he wasn't part of anything big until he went to school as a kindergartner sure so and th- and he's not that much older than you. no, right yeah so so it's interesting to me that this gradual awakening as kids grow up. Is sort of can be overlapped with this sense of community that awakens also, right? I'm not here by myself. The awakening in consciousness that happens in early childhood is the first awakening that many people would have no way of knowing about. Is I'm not my mother. We're not the same being. (sighs) Yeah. Wow. Isn't that that to me is miraculous? Like. That, yes. that before you have that awakening as an infant, you actually think you are the person who's mothering you, whoever that is, right? So, mm. yeah, I mean, that's good. That. yes? So if yes. you think about that being the kernel of consciousness where things start in terms of how do young children seek community? Because that's really, to me, the question of social justice.
0: For sure. You yeah.
1: know, how do I see what a community is supposed to be. And I can't really see it until I know it exists. So that's something to keep in mind as parents of young children, is that when we want to awaken, even parents who have children who are directly and um, disproportionately affected by that injustice, you know we owe it to young children to give them the space and time to develop their their own sense of i'm here and then i look around who's around me yes i'm not my mother or whoever my primary caregiver is could be father could be anybody so now i'm you know figuring out well i can feed myself and then i might mm-hmm. sit in the high chair and say mm, not going to do that <laughs> Why? Uh, Not because I, you know, as many of parents might feel that it's an injustice to them. Right. <laughs> I have, after all, prepared very organic, specifically chosen food for you, okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Do you know the lengths I've gone to to make sure you have the best food? <laughs> I know, farmers. <laughs> right,
0: exactly. The CSA uh, I have. <laughs> oh,
1: my God. And you're saying you're not going to eat them? <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, right? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. no. And that's the reality that while we're talking about all these fluffy, oh. you know, you know oh, levels sure. of consciousness, you know, there's laundry to do. There's th- spills to clean up. There's everyday life. Yes. That goes on. Oh, sure. You know, all Um. as all this other stuff is happening. And it's all woven into for a young child who has no ability to say, well, I don't think I'll pay attention to that. So a young child, Mm. as all this is happening, also has no filter to say, I won't become that. Mm. Not yet. So everything goes in, right? All the materials there for them to decide when the time is right and the ability is there this is what I'll be I'll take a little of this a little of that all these little things are inside of me because I didn't have any filters I had no choice but to just absorb but when I sit at the high chair and I've realized I'm not you I can decide I realize, oh I don't have to eat Mm. oh Well, already then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, when you ask me to move, I don't have to walk. I can, but I don't mm. have to. <laughs> I'm actually in control of my movement sure. in the world. Oh, yeah. Can you ima- imagine if I told you tomorrow you're going to wake up and realize you're in con- you're in control of your movement in the world?
0: <laughs> you will say
1: eh. <laughs> I'm going back to sleep yeah, exactly. if that's the case
0: <laughs> I would just like to pass on that yeah,
1: one <laughs> yeah 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 so I like this idea of a sleep awake mm, yes. because there's so much conversation about people being awake yeah in social justice yes and so if I look at those two pieces I say you know um, I think I like the awakening. Mm, yeah, I am awakening. Sure. Right? Because if I'm awakening in terms of social justice, then I'm going to be inviting you to join me. <sighs> right? I'm not saying yeah. I've gotten to this party. Yes. Would you like to come? Make your way here. <laughs> yes. You see what I mean? Oh, sure. Right. So A if it's an awakening. Yeah. Exactly, and oddly enough, that's what works in early childhood too, is if it's a path where you're saying, join me, mm. you know, as a parent, if you're saying, join me, rather than come yeah. to the party, it, it's it's that same kind of humility and invitation, mm. you know, because young children are only about invitations, you know, they their consciousness is not... It, it's so different than ours. And I really question... I've studied it all my life as far as in terms of my college life, you know, career sure. and, and my whole career, period. And I feel less able to... You know, I just marvel at it. You know, it really is just... I, My classic story about this is... When I was teaching four-year-olds, and they were teaching me, <laughs> um, which is the age—you know—the age. The age is four. Most people think it's before that, but it's really not. Oh gosh, four is His the mother age. Mother four-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so four <laughs> is huge. It's mm. gigantic. In fact, the research shows it's the age at which most parents who have a first child that's four seek counseling.
0: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> to me. <laughs> well here I am
1: (laughs) me too (laughs) so I had a four year old one time we were talking about some ice that had formed on the windows and we were freezing stuff and you know I worked at a school that was pretty much basically in the woods so you know that's where everybody ought to be when they're four is in the woods so I said something like well what is they were asking about the ice and I said well um, so what is it going to take for the ice to melt Silly adult me, (laughs) I thought it was (laughs) warmth. Nope, time.
0: Mm.
1: A four-year-old. He looked at me and he said, "Time." And you know, I know. Yeah. Yeah, and that's also for is this ability. To tap into all the possibilities because I don't have a filter. I never did have one, (laughs) right? My filters, it's there, but it's really not functioning like an adult's filter will. And what happens at four, though, is you can not only walk, jump, you know, maybe by five or six you can skip, but you also can talk. And you can better and better articulate the thoughts you're having. Yes. So a lot of people think that four-year-olds are lying. You know, they, mm. they because they're telling these, you know, nobody can tell a story like a four-year-old. <laughs> nobody. There oh, is guys. no match for a four-year-old storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> I spent ten years with four-year-olds. Oh, my you gosh, know, you honestly, and... It's one of their better qualities. But they're so what we're getting is this glimpse into what they've taken in. Mm. You know, because what's happened for them is this, you know, there's all these books about how to think like Da Vinci. Well, just hang out with a four year old for a while. Mm. Because that's there it is. And it's it's interesting to me that the definition of genius is the ability to make connections that are not obvious. Yes? That's sure. a simple way to think yes. of it. Yeah. Well, that's why I call them geniuses because they see all the, everything to them is connected. They don't have a filter that says that time is not what she's looking for. She's looking for the answer warmth. Yeah. An eight year old knows that.
0: Sure. Okay.
1: So developmentally by eight, I kind of know what you want. Yeah. I I have that filter now. I've figured out. So guess what teacher's thinking?
0: Mm. Now, if I'm
1: eight and I haven't figured that out, lucky me. <laughs> I, nice. if I'm at school I'll probably get in trouble a lot for not paying attention mm. but or not listening listen shaming right that's yes. I call it listen shaming you're not listening mm-hmm. well
0: <laughs> maybe I actually might be listening really way more <laughs> than you
1: are <laughs> spiritual boot <thinking>, camp <laughs> uh, exactly yeah uh, but so if you think about that overlay that you started with in terms of Thinking about parents asking questions about social justice in early childhood, I think you know to start, I would say that the thing that you don't have to awaken your children to is justice. Mm. So human beings we know are it, it's actually brain science it's it, you know science has basically proven out all these wonderful things that we hoped were true, right? <laughs> We intuited were true. And you know, people always talk about, well, kids have to be taught to hate. Well, it turns out that's true. Mm. So if you're mm. not teaching me to hate, trust in my sense of justice. Like I'm I'm in my I'm just getting started here, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> I just figured out the toilet. <laughs> which was a yeah. spiritual practice for us both. <laughs> Oh, ain't that the truth? Yeah, yeah. I'm just figuring all. The, I'm figuring out that I don't have to eat in the high chair, no matter how many farmers you went to for my meal. <laughs> <laughs> right, and and Hi, I think the fact yes. that you and I are laughing so much, it suggests that, you know, the enlightenment part is that. It, kids come with this humor about this stuff you know they'll laugh at stuff that we're like that is not funny <laughs>
0: oh sure and
1: they're like you want to bet <laughs> <laughs> oh it's oh, funny yeah oh it's funny
0: <laughs> trust me
1: <laughs> oh my oh, gosh yeah. so but you know maybe that's a good start to a, these, these conversations is yes. this is just this So much of young children, and by that I mean anybody under the age of nine. So technically, another thing a lot of people don't know is that technically, early childhood as a period of development doesn't end until eight or nine. Mm. Think about that. Wow. Yeah. That's really different, isn't it? Right? Yes. Yeah. You know, a lot of people call nine the age that Santa Claus dies, Oh, God, I hope there's no kids listening to this. (laughs) But so a lot of kids, um, that's when they, you know, I always tell the story about this nine-year-old girl I had. I hope she doesn't recognize herself because now she's a parent of a young child. She might listen to this. But I love her. And it was wonderful. She came to school and she was just tearful and crying and she was so upset and I took her in, and I said, do you want some tea, or, you know, what can we do here, and tried to comfort her, and she had talked about her aunt dying, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Mm. You know, her mom hadn't told me, which was very unlike her mom, so I immediately thought, she's, she's about to be nine. Uh. What's really happening here? So I called her mom, and she said, oh, my God, that aunt died years ago. Mm. Yeah. Oh, God but there's an awakening to it yes. what it actually means yes yeah and that's wow. such an illustrative story of how we're going along thinking these kids who are in first second and third grade that they know what we're talking about right. but they're not having the same experience we are yeah which really if we watched them play we would know is true mm. i mean if we really Good just watched instead of tar- trying to direct or influence what they do, we would see, oh, yeah, they don't think anything like I do. <laughs> <laughs> that seems really clear.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. But that feels so pivotal. I mean, the idea of just mm-hmm. holding space as a parent, mm-hmm. just that reminder they are awakening. They're yes. awakening in this moment right now, they're they're in this process of awakening for years. I mean, yes. for my children, for yes. years, twice, yes. thrice their lifetimes. Yes, and that building yes. can be a process. Yeah, because you know, I know I can feel this, and I've heard so, so many friends, mm. you know, say it's they just want to do it well. You know, they mm-hmm. just want to do this right, and so you can put this pressure on yourself mm-hmm. in the moment. And is my kid woke enough?
1: Am I woke enough, really, you know, is maybe the... Probably not.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, none of us are. Yeah. How
1: could we be? We're white. I mean... (sighs) Yes. There's no... It's not not possible.
0: No. And what a reminder that Mm -hmm. this isn't about getting it right or wrong in quotation Mm -hmm. marks. Mm -hmm. It's about this opening up Mm -hmm. to what can I pay better attention to Mm -hmm. for myself. And as you said... To just letting, trusting their innate sense, mm-hmm. creating, and one thing I wanted to check in before we do wrap up, mm. I loved how you, you shared, they have to see it, so they mm-hmm. they aren't, their mama, their caretaker, <laughs> their mm-hmm. parent, their, mm-hmm. and I'm me, mm-hmm. and then who else is around me, mm-hmm. so it sounds like, mm-hmm. you know, an antidote or a balm maybe. <laughs> mm at the least, is the sense of just creating or leaning into that community sense. Yes.
1: Yes. I think you've stumbled into the, quote, right thing to do as a parent. Mm. And this is where you can. There mm. are, I don't, you know, clearly it's not about judgment. Sure. So if we can pull judgment out of the equation and say, are there wrong and right things to do as parents? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Of course. Sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. They don't have anything, the only time they have anything to do with judgment is when they're harmful to the child. For sure. So, am I, here's a question people can ask themselves. When you think about the intentional nature of the community you create for your family and child, ask yourself, not them, right? Mm. Ask yourself, how intentional have I been? If my aim way down here is to do, is to grow a child that understands when not everybody's at the table right or if they happen to accumulate enough good fortune in terms of economic benefit that they um, have choices
0: mm.
1: you know there's the old saying about you know build a longer table so yes. if it, who's but who's going to be at that table? Is it going to be more people that look like me, Mm -hmm. right? Or is it going to be people who um, don't deserve a seat at my table, but they deserve a chance to make their own tables? Sure. You know, because if I'm a white, if I'm a white person, you know, my aim cannot be to create space at my table for you as a black or Muslim or, you know, uh, any other anything other than white. (laughs) It's for me to say, how do I use my space to make sure you get yours? Mm. You know, and and that's really different. Yes. But if you're born with a sense of justice, which you are, we know human beings are naturally inclined to be happy, for one thing, Mm. to be, and to pursue justice. Any preschool teacher can tell you about that because preschool <laughs> kids in preschool are the first ones to say that's not fair. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's we think it's skewed a lot of times, but if we stopped and said, in what way?
0: Yes.
1: How is it not fair? What is that child teaching me about fairness rather than us saying, well life's not fair. Think about yes. think about those kinds of things we say to kids mm. that if we stop saying that, wow. Yeah. That's a simple little quote more right thing to do as a parent if you're aiming for social justice by age 15 or so. Sure. Right? That this kid can actually dismantle an oppressive thought or mm. you know, can decolonize a you know, some bit of history they're learning, right? If you want that at 15, you first have to stop saying life's not fair cuz you just taught me that oppression is okay that's how life is. It's not fair. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, and and we always mm. think that what kids mean by not fair is that they didn't get their way. But what they're telling us is, I have a sense of what's just, mm. and so we have to do this little fine dance. It's a fine line. It's not easy but we somehow have to change our words and listen to how it's not fair, right? Mm. You know, um, so I had this interaction with my seven-year-old grandson recently where he wanted to do something a specific way and he remembered something differently than I did. Now, most adults would say he was wrong. He, they, If they were me, they would say he remembered it wrong, okay? Mm. I'm gonna. I'm just going to say he remembered it differently than I did. Mm. So as soon as I say to him, I'm not going to say this to you because I want you to do it my way. But can I tell you something about how it happened for me? Mm. Yeah. Right? Mm. And then I explain it to him, and then it feels fair. That's just different language, but honestly... All of that, and you can't, you know, there's going to be days when you're going to say, um, you know, you can't have that. Well, you know, <laughs> that's real too. Sure. Absolutely. However, if if you can cultivate in yourself this, be, this, just begin to cultivate this idea that your kids really do have a sense of justice, and they're always testing it out. Mm. They're always testing it out. You know, how much time does my brother get with that toy? And, you know, what we do in preschool classrooms is we turn on a timer, and, like, everybody gets two minutes. Oh, sure. Right? But there's a a new and better way of looking at that kind of play with children where we're now saying in more, you know, uh, sophisticated, cultivated circumstances where we have enough caregivers, first of all, and all the things we already know about early childhood that are problematic in the caregiving world. But we're saying to kids... Are you done with that yet? Yes. And letting another child wait until that child is done, Mm -hmm. and assuring that other child, when you have it, you'll play with it till you're done too. Right? So it's not about, I need to have this for two minutes. That's not actually justice. Everybody having yeah. the toy for two... Maybe there's somebody wow. over there that never even looks at that toy. Sure. They don't want it for two minutes. It's just these two kids. So what do we do with that? Yeah. And how many chances do we get give them to work it out? You know, is there a peacemaking table in every classroom mm. where Gosh. kids can work on that sense of justice they have? That... So it's it's all about those opportunities, but the trust that it's there to begin with is where you start. Because really yes. if you trust that kids want justice, then you don't have to worry so much that they know about racism by the time they're five. They know about racism. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have the words or the sophisticated, you know, abstract thoughts about it. Sure. But they understand justice. Oh. And they would never do what we would they would never oppress, not naturally. So isn't that, doesn't that just? It feels so freeing. Yeah. In a lot of ways. I know, we don't have to worry so much. Yes. We, we just have to provide them with lots of opportunities to, to act on that in their own community, which yes. is what? Like just even sit on the floor sometime, look around the room and see what they see. You know, they see the plug over there. No wonder they go for it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, even just that is different. So there's a start.
0: Oh, I feel so like set.
1: You like look a relieved. Start. I do. I, I know, feel like it's I can feel myself relief.
0: sinking. You into look. The yeah, you look like maybe
1: you could take that ease. nap you've put off for oh. two, two months, right? <laughs> I can take a nap oh, now. Michelle. My kids will. My and and I think the more we talk about, you know, every week we talk about the different phases of development. I mean, we've yes. just touched on this today, but I think the more we talk about those specific phases, people will realize, oh gosh, I've got time. Yes, and that's it. The- my kid will not grow up to be a racist.
0: That's it.
1: Mostly because I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm actively trying to dismantle white supremacy. Will my child be a carrier of that cancer? Absolutely. However, yeah. will it what we know about genetic expression now is the environment influences how it's expressed.
0: To our parenting, like